whoa, are we awake? That is a bad sign that you're not awake when I first get up. So let's try it again. Good morning. I just want to say thank you to our sound and video people that are always in the booth back there. The screen got dimmer. Did everybody notice? Yeah, so a bulb went out. That's not our team doing a poor job. I just want you to be aware that we have the best people in the world doing these jobs for us week after week after week. So please thank them, yes. Everybody makes mistakes, but this was not one of theirs. So. And that goes pretty well with what we're talking about this morning. So uh, over the course of the last couple of months, we've been talking about our theme of Renew for 2020. And uh, Charlie has done a wonderful job walking us through um, this idea of renewal so far. And we've talked about how we encounter God uh, to find renewal, that when we belong to God, we find renewal. We find renewal through serving God and through our growth, our, our self-care, uh, we find renewal. And then last week, Keith Stengland did an excellent job talking to us about restoration. And what a great analogy, talking about the car that his dad took from a junk heap to, I think he said, parade-worthy, right? And isn't that encouraging to us, knowing that God can take us from a busted bucket of bolts to brand new? Man, that is so encouraging. But I don't know that all of us think the same way. In fact, I'm pretty sure we don't. I've been married long enough to know that not everybody thinks the same way. And as we think about this idea of renewal, some of us, we, we, we hear those things, and it just clicks, and we understand what we're talking about here, this transformation that takes place by the renewing of our minds. We get all that stuff, and, and we, we start to move forward on it. But I think for some of us, sometimes we stop and ask some questions. We ask, well, can I really receive renewal from God? Can God make me new after all the things that I've done? Or maybe this question, why would God want to use me for his glory? Why would God want to use me for his glory? I know that at several points in my life, I've thought these things. Doesn't God know who I really am? Doesn't he know that I've made a lot of mistakes? Why would he choose me to be a part of his plan? Those are some really big questions, and I don't know if you've ever asked those before either, but if you have, maybe we're in the same boat this morning. But here's the good news, is that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called, meaning that God doesn't look for all the people that have it all together all the time. No, God takes all of us who have our mistakes, who have our bumps and bruises, and uses us to his glory. He doesn't call the qualified, but he takes those that he calls and he makes them who he needs them to be. Are you with me this morning? If you are, say, mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, this morning I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11. As we uh, begin to think a little bit more about this, I want us to see really where we are at in this passage of scripture. And we're going to read the whole thing this morning. We're going to break it up into two different chunks. Uh, but as we look at this chapter, it's a beautiful, beautiful chapter, one that's really known as the Hall of Faith. Not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. 
Uh, so many wonderful examples in this passage of people who were faithful to God, even in the toughest of circumstances. And the writer of Hebrews takes advantage of this opportunity to really give us some great nuggets about what faith is. And so I want us to look at this this morning uh, and see if we can find ourselves in the story. And maybe we can relate to some of these people here in this passage. So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read 1 through 6, and then we'll stop, and then we'll read the rest of the chapter. So please read with me. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So as we start this chapter, you see this great, these two great phrases about faith. Faith is being, uh, in another translation, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it's such a difficult thing for us to do. And then here at the end of verse 6, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Man, such incredible statements about our faith and where we need to be. But he gives two examples to start as we get going in this chapter. The first one is Abel. Abel, the brother of Cain, the son of Adam and Eve. You might know the story of Cain and Abel, but if you don't, uh, Cain and Abel are asked to give sacrifices to God. Uh, Abel offers his first fruits, the best of the best that he has. Cain does not, and God is pleased with Abel's sacrifice. Cain is jealous, and he kills his brother. And we have this example of Abel being one who is faithful and does what God calls us to do. What a great example. And then you have Enoch. Enoch, one of two people that we know of in Scripture that never tasted death. Who was the other one? Elijah. Hey, I heard it down here. Good. They know stuff right here, these guys. Elijah, right? Two people that God loved so much that he was so pleased with that he said, you're not going to taste death. You're going to come with me. Now, a lot of things have been said about me in my life before. I don't know that I fall into the category of either of these people and their faithfulness. I long for that. I want to be known as faithful, like Abel was faithful, always offering the best of what I have to God. But I don't always get there. And I wish, I hope, I keep working because I want to be someone that God is so pleased with. Can you imagine that? Enoch, someone who God was pleased with so much that he just says, nope, no death for you, you're coming with me. And I think when we read this chapter, it's really easy for us to look at these two people here at the beginning and go, well, that's not me, and that's not me. It's really easy to see such great examples and think, I don't fit in this boat. Maybe God can't use me. But I want us to read the rest of the chapter this morning and really see who else 
is being talked about here. So, we're going to read the rest of this. So, are you ready? Let's read, starting in verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, <clears throat> for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Verse 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that, the, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Thank you for reading along with me there. Well, as the writer starts with Abel and Enoch, it kind of sets a pretty high standard there. And so I want us to think about the rest of the people in this passage here just for a minute. Now, I don't know about you, but I get on social media from time to time, actually every day. I'm pretty sure we're all a little bit addicted on some level. Um, We check Facebook, uh, maybe constantly for some of you. I I like Instagram. I check Instagram about once a day, usually at night, to see what all has happened during the day. And uh, if you've ever been on a social media platform, what you've probably noticed is that nobody posts what real life is really like. It never looks like that. Yesterday, I did this myself. I posted a picture of Ashley and I uh, from last week, and um, we look all happy and dressed up and nice, and everything's good, while yesterday we were trying to get a fever down with Addie, and our house is a wreck and things are crazy. We all have this issue where social media, we try to look different than what we really are. Nobody posts the pictures of the things that are going crazy. We all post the pictures of times when things look good. And so I wonder a little bit about Hebrews chapter 11, if maybe we're seeing one side of the story, but not the other side of the story. Now, before I continue, I want to say, all these people mentioned in this passage of Scripture are incredible men and women who made incredible choices of faith, who trusted when they couldn't see, who stand out because of the faith that they have but they also stand out sometimes for the wrong reasons. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied about who his wife was in order to save his own life and hers. Jacob lies about who he is in order to steal his brother's blessing and disguises himself so his father doesn't know that it's him and not Esau. Moses kills an Egyptian soldier and buries him in the sand, hoping that no one will ever find out. The Israelites do walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, but they also spend the next 40 years complaining and grumbling to God about what it is they don't have instead of seeing what they do have. Rahab, a prostitute, someone who sells her body for money. Gideon continues to test and doubt God. Samson just makes a whole lot of poor choices. Can we agree on that? And David is lazy he lies, he commits adultery, and he premeditates murder, and that's just 2 Samuel chapter 12. I think sometimes when we think about ourselves, and if God could really use us for his kingdom and his glory, I think we read Hebrews chapter 11 and look at it as a set of standards that we can't possibly meet, when in fact, the things, the people that God is using to do incredible things in his kingdom don't have it all together. Not a one has everything together. Here's the thing. God doesn't need you to be perfect to work through you. And that is really, really good news. 
Now, our aim is holiness. Our aim is perfection, that we do all the things that God has called us to do, that we are faithful as these people were faithful, but they weren't perfect, and neither are you and neither am I. And God does his best work through imperfect people. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which may be my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Every summer when interns show up, this is the chapter we go to on the first day of the summer. And it has so many wonderful things. But he says in verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure, talking about the Spirit of God, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, Uh, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He says, all these things, we have all this power in an imperfect vessel. Jars of clay were used to bring water back from the well or used for various things around the house, and they did not stay perfect. If you've ever worked with pottery, you know those things can chip and break and crack. And so Paul says, we have this treasure, this the Spirit of God, at work within us to show that the power really isn't about us. It's about God and what he's doing. If you look at yourself and you go, I I know I have messed up and I know I've made mistakes and I know I'm not perfect, join the club. We are all jars of clay, imperfect vessels that contain the Spirit of God doing great things through us. And that is good news. And so this morning, if you've seen renewal on the walls, and we've, we've been talking about it a lot, and you go, well, I just don't know if God can really use me, the answer is absolutely He can use you to the glory of His kingdom. We make mistakes. And we are not perfect But praise God that he is. Praise God that he takes broken, messed up people and makes us new and uses us to his glory. And so this morning, if you're already on the track of renewal and you're already going, yes, I I understand, I'm down, I want to encounter God, I want to grow with God this year, God bless you, keep going on that path. But if you're someone who's asked these hard questions about yourself before, I hope today you'll hear a message of hope, knowing that our God takes us in our imperfections and makes us what we need to be. And that it's His power at work, not yours and not mine. That it's God's Spirit that's doing all the incredible things that only God's Spirit can do. We are so incredibly blessed to have a God that is not distant, but that is so present and that is so with us that He is constantly there, that He continues, that He is faithful in all things. That even when we're broken, He's there. Praise be to God for this good news. And so this morning... If you are wondering if God can use you, absolutely he can. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but you've made some mistakes along the way, he can make you new. If you haven't made that decision to be immersed into Christ, he can take you from where you're at and make you new. Wherever you might be this morning, whatever the case may be, I pray that you will let God's Spirit Begin to do the work that only God's Spirit can do through you. If you have a need this morning, if there's any way that we can help you in that process, we want to do so. If you're ready 
to put Christ on in baptism and be made new, we'd love to help you with that. If you've been immersed into Christ and want to become a part of this body of believers, knowing what God can do through all of us, we'd love for you to join us. Whatever the case may be, whatever need you have, if you would, please join us as we stand and as we sing this song.